Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Houdat Jedi Podcast. This is episode 175 for your programs. Um, I'm Aaron, and with me as always is Dave and Fredo. How are we doing, guys? Hello. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Not too bad. Um, so I was actually, I, I, I was actually, uh, <laughs> Britt came home the other day with some uh, Halloween candy. I know we're not even close to Halloween yet, but uh, it's like it's in the grocery store. So because she was actually getting some for her classroom as well, because um, I guess if there's one way to get kids to shut up and do their work is to give them candy. Um, but uh, anyway, got me thinking uh, best. What is, what is your favorite Halloween candy? And Dave, is there any that you that that must be inspected upon uh, retrieval on Halloween night? <laughs> You know, we've talked about, I think we've talked about this briefly. It's like we, we, we work really hard not to steal their candy at this, at this stage. When they were younger, they, they couldn't tell. Uh, but now they're like, they can account for everything, you know, every last piece. So it's, um, uh, and they don't, they don't like it, obviously, when their parents steal their candy from okay, them. Okay, then, so. then answer the uh, the latter question or the the, <laughs> the former question or whatever. The first uh, one. You know, What's I'm your favorite Reese's Halloween guy? Candy? I'm a big Reese's guy, but like that's one of those candies that I make sure that I always get, like at Halloween and Easter time. Um, so I don't really miss it exactly. I I don't I don't want for Reese's typically. Okay. Thank you. You just you just said it. So on a tangent mm-hmm. here, right? The candy that uh, Dave just referenced, Fredo. What candy did he reference? Reese's. Okay. Hmm. I am I am totally thrown because the two Midwesterners here, two Midwestern transplants, we pronounce it Reese's. Mm-hmm. It is apparently a Southern thing to say Reese's. Like a hard well, E at the end of that. I mean, that's something I've heard on commercials. I've heard it mm-hmm. from like, a, and it, it's like, I. Look, it's a Southern thing to add vowels where they don't go. So maybe somebody put an I. Or maybe what it is is, you know, because you have Reese's Pieces. Which is a different make... candy from Reese's. Yes, I know. But that's, that, that doesn't make the that doesn't make it rhyme by saying Reese's well, Pieces. No, my point is, what 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 is another thing that Southerners do? They take two words and portmanteau them together. All right, maybe. So, yeah. Have you, have uh, you guys heard it pronounced that way, or am I just nuts? Yeah, no, I've heard, I've heard it plenty of time. Ryan is somebody who, for example, a friend who will say Reese's from time to time. It, it happens. Uh, for me, it's M and M's. It's a level types of M and M's. And what I would say though, Dave, is if you're ever going to confiscate anything, is the full size bars yeah the full size right yeah because those, those are the ones you want to make because again it's already enough shoe you don't need them to be bad having to add uh, two or three full-size snicker bar habit now i uh I, I actually i like the fun size snickers oh. um because mm-hmm. i mean it's better than the full size because then you don't feel as guilty if you like you know five or six yeah right so anyway <laughs> um yeah, the worst the worst uh, Halloween treat ever was when the lady would give pennies. But anyway, that's uh, uh, neither here nor there. So, all right. Uh, okay, so worst Halloween candy, right? Worst Halloween candy. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Everybody's going to come at me for this one, but candy corn. I can't stand candy corn. That's a popular answer for a lot of people. For me, it's those those wax wrapped 
like orange and black candies. No, oh, okay. I want to take my answer back. Yeah, you might be <laughs> I right. Remember those things? <laughs> Whatever those, those mystery terrible. candies. Yeah. Because those just invariably get stuck out to the roof of your mouth. No, you think they're going to be. Molars. You think they're going to be caramel, and then they turn out to be like strawberry something gross, like yeah. strawberry yeah, caviar or something. I don't know. Yeah. For me, it's, it's, I hate to say it, and I'm going to get hate on this, it's Twizzlers. It's a texture thing. Yeah, like the flavor goes away, and then I just feel like I'm chewing rubber. I'm like, oh, again, you know, I don't like that. And and, and licorice, I do not like licorice. Uh, yeah, not all licorice is created equal. I, um, black licorice needs to be banned in, like, by the Geneva Convention. So, um so you guys aren't big Jaeger fans? Oh, no. Like, uh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Jaeger yeah. is what did me in on my 21st birthday, but that's for another podcast. So, um, well, tonight what we're going to be doing, um, we're, we got some news to go through. Uh, we're going to play a little bit of a game, um, and uh, it's, it's not going to be too intense. And these guys don't know. I'm ma- I made up the game. And they don't know what the questions are going to be. So it's going to be, they're going to be put on the spot. Um, but it has everything to do with um, the Star Wars Disney Plus shows. Um, it's going to be very short-lived, just two questions. Um, but then we're also, uh, we saw an, uh, an article that just got us talking a lot um, in our private chat. Um, just about... Um, how accessible star Wars should be. And I don't mean accessibility from a, like, I I mean, accessibility, like, can you, can you walk into a show and watch it? You know, we've talked about the summer reading before. Can you walk into a show, watch it, enjoy it, not have any issues understanding what's going on or the plot of everything. And I think we're in my hopes is that we can talk about, you know, what we like and, you know, where, where where we think that middle ground should be and then maybe talk about the shows that have come out and are they very accessible and are i think because i think some are more accessible than others um for various reasons so um so that's kind of where we're going to be going tonight um but first trivia so it's two games tonight guys we have to do trivia um have we ever repeated questions on this i don't know we're not going to pop in. I, mean, I guess we usually got... the ones that in, yeah, the ones that stick in the head are the ones that are like, oh my god, I should have remembered this from last time we did it. <laughs> I just always dig from the middle of the stack. So, all right, um, Dave, what creatures believe themselves to be descendants of the great tree? I'd say Ewoks. <laughs> I am Groot. Um, that is Ewoks. That would have been my guess. Where was that ever spoken? That that was never covered. <laughs> it's one look, look, it's one of two. It's one of two species that you know are tree lovers, and it's not them; it's the other ones. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think that I don't think that was covered in the textbook, but um, yeah, interesting. Uh, uh, by the way, I was um, uh, trooping with the five hundred first at uh, Saint Tammany Collectors Convention. And some people came up and they were they were talking, um, and uh, to to us at the table. And they asked favorite you know favorite Star Wars movie, and you know somebody said Empire. Somebody else said you know Attack of the Clones. And then uh, 
the other guy, the other guy said, "What? what it's not Battle of Endor, but what's the other Ewok movie?" Oh, it's. Uh... I can't remember what it was, but he gave he gave the title of that, and these people staring at him like, and everybody except for me, I'm laughing because I recognized it. I was like, "Oh, Caravan yeah. of Courage." Yes, Caravan yes. of Courage, and it was like. <laughs> And he's like the Ewok movie. <laughs> it's just like, um, so anyway, it's just fun. All right. Um, Fredo, mm-hmm. who is dispatched to put Moff Gergerod back on schedule? That would be uh, Anakin Skywalker, a.k.a. Darth Vader. That would be Darth Vader. Yes, yes. All right. And to me, whose first words to Luke are, Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Oh man, softball question. All right, that was Princess Leia. Da, da, da. By the way, I'm going to say um, I think it was uh, oh, it was TBS or TNT or somebody was playing uh, Star Wars movies yesterday, and I found myself watching The Last Jedi and going, I really like this movie. So mm-hmm. come at me on Twitter. I really like, I, I've said it out loud that I don't like the slow speed chase and I don't like, you know, some of the portrayals of different characters, but I am a hundred and especially I'm a hundred percent. I know that you guys weren't planning on this, but I'm a hundred percent behind the arc that they gave Luke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I just think Ryan Johnson just did a great job with that movie. Um, and then after that was the rise of Skywalker and I ended up watching a little bit of that. And I was like, well, this isn't as bad as, you know, it has. So, so I think some time has uh, passed and I can enjoy, I think you can enjoy rise of Skywalker in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I think about rise of Skywalker? We, we were talking about uh, just a few minutes ago um, before we started this about stuff you can put on in the background. Like if you're trying to work or you're trying to do something else at the same time, I feel like Rise of the Skywalker is one of those kind of movies because it's like there's a lot of individual moments that are sort of fun and they just blow by really quickly. And even if you like leave the room and come back 20 minutes later, you don't necessarily feel like you missed anything too important. Like, oh, gosh, I missed this favorite scene of mine. I got to rewind or whatever. Um, it's a good background movie for me one thing I did miss and um, they might not have been as full of crap as we as people think they were um, in the Snoke throne room scene in The Last Jedi they're playing the Emperor's theme at one Mm -hmm. point so people thinking that the emperor was shoehorned in and Kathleen Kennedy saying it was, it was Palpatine all along, you know, to take a line from Marvel. Somehow Palpatine returned. I think there might be something to that because again, if it's the emperor's theme, why do you put that in that scene, John Williams, you know? So, um, like I said, so, but like I said, I just wanted to say that I, Last Jedi, really, really good. Rise of Skywalker, I think, is good in a vacuum. If I, if I'm not like thinking as at the culmination of the Last Jedi and um, the Force Awakens, that's good. So yeah, I always I always think with these movies, time tends to be kinder as you move away from them, and the initial either excitement or disappointment fades. 
you're able to kind of assess them at a different uh, wavelength. Uh, I, I love Last Jedi when I first saw it. I still find it that it still hits. The high points that it hits are amazing. Love the Luke arc. Yeah, with Rise, I, I, I accept it more as a roller coaster. And as long as I'm not assessing it as analytically, I'm fine with it. But yeah, there's moments where I still go, we wish we could have done something better there. But so you're victim of what you what you could do at the moment. So another audible here that was not on the agenda, but I, I wanted, we haven't talked about it as a, as a group of us here. Um, and Fredo, I know you sent it to me. Did you send it to Dave? It was the meme that said, hey, Star Wars fans, you can't say that Filoni has saved Star Wars and hate Disney. Yeah, hate Disney. And right. hate Disney for what they've done to Star Wars. No, I don't think that, I sent it to him, but it's a selling point. It's going to be something we're going to get into regarding the topic tonight. It's the idea of, oh, everything good flows from Dave Filoni and John Favreau, and everything oh, everything I like goes to them. Everything I don't like comes from Kevin Kennedy, Disney, Lucasfilm, name here. And it's possible to go like that. You shouldn't be thinking like that because it's all... One machine, it's all one team, one group. Yes, we have different creatives doing directing and writing and doing stuff, but we'll get into that. We'll get, but yeah, it's, I saw that and I think that's part of what triggered that conversation between us. It's like the people saying, you know, you socialism need to get your hands off my Medicare or you socialists need to get your hands off my Medicare, you know, that type (laughs) of thing. Um, It's, but it, it is, it is interesting that we will be, we'll blame Disney, but uh, Filoni is, you know, Hooray. Yeah. Dave, you look like you're contemplating something. No, I think sometimes people give him a pass. Um, and, and and again, maybe that's because he's got a decent background that they approve of or what, what for whatever reason. Um, yeah, he gets more of a pass than, than Disney or Kathleen Kennedy. And um, he's neck deep in, in this. I mean, it's, this is, a, a lot of his stamp all over this stuff right now. So, well, the bottom line and is that, that your even your your favorite group has put out a bad album. In yeah, your this eyes. is all gray. I mean, like yeah. anybody that tries to black and white this thing is just being silly. Oh, Kathleen's terrible. Disney's terrible. Filoni's great. It's like, well, no, they all have hits and misses. Yeah. They all do. Yeah, it's it's like the people who complain about your favorite band becoming really popular <clears throat> now. Yeah, it's harder to get a ticket to their show. It's like that's how they stay, you know, um, you know, in business of making music. If you know the if your favorite band only has ten people showing up to their shows, they're probably not going to be around for much longer. You know, you know, you actually got to yeah. There, there is a business side to the art, and you have to work with that because that's the reality of. And the and the last thing I'll say is, is and it's connected to this. It, it was it was a conversation we had at that troop when I was trooping on Saturday, and we we're talking about um, different ins and outs of because there's a couple guys who are um, they're talking about another costuming group that they are in, and you know, and I made and there and it was like all the bureaucratic red tape of how to get into the group and all the rules and like you have to be interviewed to get into this group and stuff like this and he's like i'm not this isn't a job interview you know it's like it's a costuming group and i i said i said that's why i'm not involved on 
the discussion boards of the 501st because it gets too serious too quick. And it's like at the end of the day, we're all in our 40s and 50s dressed as stormtroopers. And it's like, let's take ourselves with a little bit of grain of salt. And it gets into the the arguments we have about Star Wars, about this is believable, that isn't. Um, I don't like, well, the thing I was hearing, I was listening to a podcast today. They're like, they didn't like the color of Ezra's eyes in Ahsoka. And it's like, because I, I don't know if, because it didn't look natural. It's like, it's not from earth. You know, it's like, it's, it's like literally a galaxy far, far away. It's like, why are, why are you spending time stressing over? I don't like the look. I don't like the color of their eyes. You know, it's, it's just at the end of the day, it's like, it's about the story, you know, and you know, you don't want it to look like spaceships on string, you know, you, you want it to look like it's so yeah. Anyway, I'm just going to make a reference and so we can move on and we can all laugh about this. Cause when you get to, when you get into that level of criticism, you got nothing else. To well, that was, about. that was something I said out loud too. I said, when they were arguing back and forth about some things, I said, now, is it purgle or purgles? I said, if we're going to have a nerd fight, then let's get into the, you know, what's the plural of purgle anyway. Um, news and it looks like the first bit i guess i know what i'm getting for christmas who bought it for me <laughs> yeah well it wasn't me i can tell you that much uh so yes remember a few weeks back we made mention that one of the law lo- uh, a long lost uh model prop model on x-wing from a new hope back in 1977 had been found uh forget where from anyway uh, uh he actually knows found in the garage of Oscar-nominated model maker Greg Jane. It was in a cardboard box in his garage. He passed away in May of last year at the age of 76, going through his stuff, his state found, hey, we have this, that nobody knew where it was. Complete full set. So it went up for auction this past week, and it made a record-breaking $3.135 million. I have several things here. Several things here. it is the most expensive Star Wars screen use prop sold at auction, according to a statement from the uh, auction site, Heritage Auctions, who facilitated the sale. Uh, they also sold a number of other articles from his collection, including an original Stormtrooper costume from A New Hope, an astronaut suit from 2001, Space Odyssey, and miniatures from other uh, properties. So, um, yeah, they're saying that the model stood in for X-Wings, uh, like Red, Leader, Red 2, and Red 5. And uh, yeah, historian discovered a model in his garage we're working on with other industry colleagues trying to organize this collection that this prop master had for decades. And yeah. yeah first of all, it's like, um, yeah, I'm just thinking it's like, okay, I get it. In 1977, you know, it's nothing. It's just, hey, I worked on this thing and now it's a little keepsake from what I, you know, worked on. And here it goes. But after, once you get to like 1983, it's like, hmm, maybe I should like, you know, not have this in a cardboard box in my garage, you know, um, you could put it on anyway. But then I'm thinking about who is the person because having, you know, going through my dad's stuff after he passed away, I can't even imagine like going through boxes in a garage and all of a sudden you come upon an original model from Star Wars. I mean, the amount of swearing that probably went on. My you know, 
and then you know and then but then the other thing is like don't you have nieces or nephews or kids or anything it's like hey you know like around nine or grandkids or anything like or kids next door and it's like around 1996 when you know the you know special editions are looking at coming out or whatever it's like hey check this out i got an original model you know for it i don't know it's just weird how do these things get just lost it's like the Death Star that was found in Missouri in a junk heap. We do make a point that apparently uh, Greg Jane had been working also at the same time uh, for Industrial Light and Magic on Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So who knows? He might have gone from one thing to the other, one thing to the other. You know, you're working on multiple projects like that, not thinking, because that's part of the deal is this is their job, their nine to five. So you're like, okay, I'm going to bring this here, put this there, whatever. And next thing you know, you... I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody's got a box of stuff sitting in somewhere in an attic or in a garage. And you go, you know, at some point I need to get back and check in there. But do they? Do they tell? Nobody who, does. Do they tell who bought it? Uh, let's see. In the uh, article in question, they do not. They just say it was a collector uh, purchased it, name unknown. I'm mm-hmm. I'm wondering. Do Do you think Lucasfilm like gives somebody a pile of cash and says, "Here, go." go bid on this thing and get it for us so we can have it in our archives, you know, get it back type of video. I don't know. It, or do you think Just, it's some, do you think it's like some rich dude that now has the coolest star Wars toy ever? Cause just to, before David goes in, just to kind of mention it, this is one of four known hero models that were built for the close-ups of the movie. They include details, including articulating wings, battle scars and working lights. I have those so, too. <laughs> Yes, but yours are not worth three and three point one million dollars. Yeah, I just I think about the eccentric people that have the money lying around to buy these things, and the first thing that pops into my mind is like a heist, you know, like Ocean's Eleven, like breaking into this dude's house to steal these eccentric movie collector's items that this guy has spent all this money on. Um, it's just what a weird world we live in, right? The, I mean, it's or the guy's so strange. the guy's dog who comes out in the yard with half an X wing in its mouth, and you know, <laughs> that's how the movie ends, right? It's like, no, nah, yeah. All right, so if you could have, if you could have any, um, any, any prop from A New Hope, mine, mm-hmm. mine would be the the Skywalker. I, I I would like a lightsaber. I'd either like luke's lightsaber or obi-wan's lightsaber um i don't know what would you what would be a prop that you would if you had the money to drop on you would want maybe the um the uh the the gaffy stick that the 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 sand uh, person waves up and down that'd be fun so uh, if i'm thinking i'm thinking one that's more reasonable one that's less reasonable one i would love to have uh chewie's bowcaster that's just cool. If but if I'm being unreasonable and I get the land speeder, Luke's land speeder, I want that. I want to drive around town with that. I think I think we should uh, figure out some way to like make our own little mini crew in Chewbacca's to like, you know, make our own little I'm land sure. speeders. I think I've seen one or two up in there. One, you know, every year or so. That they have a land. Somebody's got a land speeder out there, and you know, 
there's usually a couple of uh, Twilight dancers on top of it. So, <laughs> all right. Well, okay. So, yeah, we can all, okay, we can all dream. Moving from the real life toys to a more local Toy Story, we'll kind of circle back around. So, New Orleans was supposed to be getting in 2026 the Toy Fair, the largest North American trade show and conference, was supposed to move from New York City to New Orleans. So now it's October 2nd, big fanfare. And apparently they just said, nope, change of plans. So they just issued a statement saying, quote, we were swiftly reminded of our industry's passionate bond to a place that no amount of research, conversation, and learning had sufficiently surfaced. As a board, we have clearly heard that this change, it was the wrong choice for our members, end quote. So long story short, they're staying put in New York City. Yeah, that was a... Uh you ticked off the wrong booster type of a thing. So well, I, and, that and would have been, should... I mean, that would have been really cool. That, I mean, that's a major convention coming to new Orleans. So first of all, it's going it, to, that's, you know, it's, that's a hit. Big hole. Um, mm. But I mean, if forever it has been the New York toy fair. toy fair. I mean, so I don't know. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. Well, and you imagine usually with these with this level of convention, I mean, there, there's all kinds of conventions, but this level of convention, you need large floor, floor space, hotels, you need a play, an environment that attracts people, makes people want to go, okay, I'm dropping my company's money to go to this convention. So uh, New York obviously fits that mold, New Orleans does as well, but you imagine that maybe the number of people who, maybe live up close to New York as opposed to the number of people who live in New Orleans, work in that industry near New Orleans probably is more like, you know, I know from experience with a lot of the conference I go to, there's some colleagues of mine who say, well, if it's in Houston or if in Dallas, I can drive down there. My boss will excuse me, will allow me to go there. But if the conference is in Phoenix or Anaheim or New Orleans, I can't make it. I can't take off. Well, that's a, that that is a good point. It's like, you know, all, you know, my company's doing the same type thing. It's like essential travel only. So, um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, but it just seems, uh, it seems more like, like I said, you, the coach ticked off the wrong booster. I don't know. It's, it's a little odd to make the, make that public, and then reverse course, like where's the, where's the strength of your conviction in this? Uh, so yeah, it was a little weird, um, but you know, okay, you know, it makes sense why they wouldn't move it. I I totally understand. So yeah. So another New York event that's happening, actually happening right now, is New York Comic Con, which they're having right now. I think they're doing a lot of the anime stuff, but. Lucasfilm Publishing was there last weekend, and they announced a lot of titles. Uh, basically, like I'll just hit some of the highlights. They obviously announced Phase Three of the High Republic, which will include both books and comic books. So they revealed some of those titles. They uh, they're adapting. Uh, Timothy Zahn is going to be adapting his Throne Alliances book into comic book format. So if you for some reason you didn't read the books, you want to get caught up on more Thrawn before he comes back in whatever show he comes next. Well. Throne Alliance is coming through the Star Wars Marvel imprint. Uh, they're coming out with a new series based around Mace Windu. Uh, and uh, they're going to be doing a couple of other titles here and there based around like Living Force and, uh, like I said, Pirate Republic. So it's interesting. You know, 
Lucasfilm is is very much not afraid or you know continuing all their stories across both you know not just digital media or visual media but print and whatnot and you know it's interesting that they made sure they make it a big effort at Comic Con. Cool. Admittedly, admittedly, I have yet to read a High Republic um, book. I've read a little bit of a comic book, um, which. Aaron, I can loan you the first one. I have the first one in hardback if you want to borrow it. So anyway, I I mean, I think there might be a reason why I haven't really gotten into the High Republic stuff all that much. It's, It's one of those things where it's like I have to be I have to be moved um it, it hasn't piqued my interest in a way that makes me want to to do it so um speaking of summer reading that might you know once you see the acolyte it may drive that interest it may. And you go back and it may. Stuff. So, yeah you know uh so before we get into that just i'll just make mention uh last week uh the sag after strike they were in discussions with the uh, AMPTP, which is the studios. The studios chose to walk away from the negotiating table. We are now at day 97 of the strike with no end in sight. So while the writers are back in the rooms and they're finishing up or polishing scripts, it's more than likely that we're still not going to see any new productions or movies or stuff. So you begin to wonder when all this is going to impact all those beautiful calendars that we got hit with all right. last year, the year before. Perfect segue into my game. Go. <laughs> perfect segue into my game. This is perfect. All right. So, um, if, I'm gonna take. I want to take you. I want to take you way back um, to when you know, mom or dad were taking you to, you know, you're going to a place where you're going to be able to buy a Star Wars figure. Only one. I grow up. Only, mm-hmm. only one. Okay. And if you, if you, if this doesn't. Just pretend, all right. So you can only you can only buy one. It's not only enough money for to buy one, all right. And so pretend these are. And so there are two questions here. Um. So the first question is, um. When you have, which which one are you going to buy? And before you even get there, which one do you hope is on the peg? Okay, so those are two different questions. One, which one are you going to buy? And second question is, which do you hope is on the peg? All right, and your choices are season four of The Mandalorian, Ahsoka season two, or Book of Boba Fett season two. Those are your, those are your three action figures. Which one are you buying which one are you going to say, yes, I want that one. It's got to be in my collection. And which one before you on the drive there are you hoping is on the peg? It's a Sophie's Choice deal, I know. I know, Sophie will chew them all up. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Sophie um, is my dog, everybody. Anyway. I'm, I'm most hopeful that Ahsoka is there. Um, That's the one you, you want know, on the peg. Okay. Yeah. You know, like in the, in the moment, uh, you know, the mood may strike me differently when I'm faced with the choice and they're in front of me and I have two cho- choices or maybe even three. Um, I may 
I may make a different choice on the spur of the moment. You know, people are unpredictable. Um, but I know absolutely deep in my heart, the one that I'm hoping is there is Ahsoka. All right, so I'm going to add a third question on there because as a collector, which is the peg warmer, which means that it's absolutely going to be there <laughs> when you get there, that you know that there's going to be like... There's, it's going to be there with Lobot. Well, which it's it's going to be there, okay? <laughs> you know for a fact there's no chance that it's so... Uh, uh, which of those three do you think is going to be? Oh, Boba Fett. You, I, no, no, I don't mean I don't mean as a peg warmer, but I mean it's like a guaranteed. It's going to we're going to get it. I, I mean, like, okay, so that's different. That is a different question. Yeah, like, I, that I, it will yeah. even exist, right? In right. the first place, because like the peg warmer is Boba Fett. I, like that's yeah. that's the Lobot. Nobody's nobody's picking that one. Um. Yeah, it was Mando, a bad analogy. Mando season four. Mando is the one that is going to happen. Okay. And so That's, is the one you're hoping for. I'm assuming the one you're hoping for and the one you're going to buy is uh, the probably same. Probably the right. same. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think the one I'm hoping for is like with David's Ahsoka season two. Because, you know, it'll probably come out with a whole new costume after she's been in Peridia. Got dual lightsabers. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see how. That action figure looks from from the end of season one action figure. Uh, the one that I know will be there is more than likely Boba Fett season two. And uh, just because Boba Fett is across all media well known, so you know it's kind of like generating another Darth Vader or generating another. So you so you Darth think you, so you think we're going to get a uh, book of Boba Fett season two. I think of the, weirdly enough, I think of the three, the easiest to kind of understand for people who have no idea what Star Wars is, is Boba Fett. Because he's already a brand established name. It's kind of like you're doing Obi-Wan season two, so to speak. So it's already established. It's nothing to do with the quality of the story. It has nothing to do with uh, how well it was received. I think there's still enough fans who still turn up for that one. Uh, And then the bed warmer is Mandalorian because Look, that that's Disney Plus's baby. That was the first thrill. That was the the one that hooked everybody in. Getting Din with Grogu in that pack, you know that which are coming together. You know that it's gonna be there no matter what. You know, and I think I'm I'm with you. I think we're you know the one that I am hoping is going to be on the peg is Ahsoka season two. Um, the one that I know that it's it's going to be there and there's i don't have to stress and like get to target at you know eight o'clock in the morning when they open it's going to be mandalorian season four um but my point is that and this kind of leads a little bit into our main discussion of how accessible do you want star wars to be a little bit um the reason why i picked these three is that these are ones we're all as star wars fans just assuming that there's going to be another season um you know, there's, uh, it's, I, I mean, we just, I mean, they've, the only, I didn't include Obi-Wan because I mean, they've pretty much said, no, there is not going to be another season of Obi-Wan. I mean, that's, they haven't said it as clear as that, but it, they haven't been coy about it. Um, there has been, no, I mean, there's been no, like, yeah, we're going to do, you know, season two and or season two is already filming. We know that's coming. Um, so it's just interesting to me that 
Mandalorian kind of ends with, you know, with Grogu playing with frogs and him, you know, sitting on a porch and that story is just kind of done. Um, Book of Boba Fett seems, I, it seemed would be seem like an awkward season too. It's like, what are we, I mean, there's some things they left open, like with Cobb Vanth and stuff like that. It's like, could be some places to go. And then Ahsoka. It's like, man, I cannot believe that they didn't say, yeah, we got season two going because of all just the way they wrote it. We talked about that before. Um, I think if the numbers had been stronger, that announcement would have happened. And if there hadn't been a strike, probably. Yeah. And I think that that makes it that much harder because what's interesting is in the aftermath of Obi-Wan, everybody was interviewing uh, Hugh McGregor and asking if there would be a season two. And he was, he's always been coy. Like, oh, if the fans wanted, if somebody wanted. Look, I always thought 2005 was done with this character. I didn't think I'd come back. So there's, there's never, I don't think that door's closed on his end. I think the door's closed more on Disney's end, particularly because they they were comfortable with what that story's put. We already know John Favreau's already said that scripts for season four of Mandalorian are locked in. They're just finished up. So we know we're getting that, which is interesting because you're right, Aaron, of the three shows that you mentioned, Mandalorian is the one that's probably got the best bow on it. If you if you said we had three seasons in the Mandalorian and this is it, you could see where that makes sense. And you say you don't touch any more of it. But you know, whereas there's still unresolved stuff with uh, Boba Fett, there's still plenty of unresolved stuff with Ahsoka. And yet they're the ones which we are more up in the air about when they'll return. So, so this, this, this conversation of how accessible do you want Star Wars to be? It started from this article, um, that, uh, was talking about, and I, and actually, because it was kind of a, one of those, what was the guy's handle? Um, renegade Muppet or something like that. I don't know. It was weird. Valiant Renegade. Valiant Renegade. Yeah. Some, but anyway, I did, I did look in other places and it, you know, the numbers, the numbers check out, um, in that, um, I think what they say, Ahsoka lost 40% of its viewership from premiere to finale. finale. And and so that, that really got, like I said, it got a conversation going between the three of us. And it got me thinking at five o'clock in the morning when I was reading this article. Um, is that, and they, and they compare it to Mandalorian as well. I mean, that seems to be like the bar that they're comparing everything to. And it's like, so I got to thinking, it's like, okay, so what's different? And, you know, in this, in this podcast, we've talked about what, you know, do you need to be able to do the summer reading and stuff like this? And I will say with Ahsoka, there's a couple things that was different than previous Star Wars Disney Plus shows. One is the other shows, I didn't get really any questions from my in-laws. Um, it like is usually came through Brit that, you know, like her dad would ask, okay, so who's this guy? And Brit was like, well, Aaron said it's blah, blah, blah. He's like, all right, cool. And he's off and running, but it was something that was like, who is, who is this? What's going on? 
that's one. Another one was, uh, like I mentioned in the last episode, a coworker of my wife's who like about C- episode six or seven, he was like, I, I, did I, did I miss a movie? Did I miss, uh, you know, some, what's going, so there was some disconnect there. Um, and then I was, uh, listening to another podcast. It was a big star Wars fan. It wasn't a star Wars podcast. It's actually a Disney podcast. Um, and the guy's a big star Wars fan, went to the star cruiser and everything. And he said, watched the first season or the first episode of Ahsoka and about halfway through it, he lost interest. And so now it's just on his, I'll watch it at some point list. And so it's like, okay, so what is different? The Mandalorian, I'm sorry, I'm talking a whole lot and I'll let you guys talk here a second. Let's just talk about a Mandalorian versus Ahsoka. Mandalorian was, we didn't know anything about anybody. Everybody's walking into the same room at the same time with the same background knowledge. It it was just Star Wars and, you know, we all walked in and boom, that's what we get. Now, season two, season three, we get a couple more things from Clone Wars and stuff added in. But, I mean, like Bo-Katan. It's like, okay, but she's dressed like other Mandalorians. Okay, so there's at least, you know, some neurons, you know, firing and some connections being made. Um, Ahsoka was different. You had to, I mean to really get what was going on, you had, I mean, from the get go, it's like, we got to find Ezra and Sabine can help us. It's like, who, who are these people, you know? And we've, you know, and Hera's this, and this is Jason. And, you know, so now as us, as rebels and clone uh, rebels fans, we were like, got it. This is awesome. You know, even my wife, the passive, you know, rebels fan, she never watched rebels, but she's heard me talk about it. She understood what was going on, but other people are like, what the heck? So the worry is, this is the end of my thesis here. The worry is numbers go down. They don't have an audience. Disney's not going to necessarily automatically fund a second season. So would you rather have, you know, and this can be rhetorical. You don't have to do, you know, the peg warmer choice again, but would you rather have star Wars that, everybody can understand that you know you're going to keep getting season after season or would you rather have kind of nerdy deeper star wars that maybe you only get one season or one run of and maybe you have to wait three years between so that's that's kind of where this all started, and we can now just start talking like we're at a bar. So, you you pretty much put us at the end point of the of the discussion, <laughs> because like that's really sort of um, where we're at with this is that there needs to be viewership to justify the budget that goes into making these productions. Um, you know, they need to they need to feed the beast, so to speak. They have the Disney Plus channel. They need new content on there to drive subscriptions, to keep people coming back. And so they have to have fresh content. What kind of content is that going to be, though? And, and those are the kinds of decisions that will get made based on the viewership numbers. And right now, 
viewership numbers sort of point to what you're talking about. Uh, Mando, a, a okay, we know Mandalorian's popular, so we're gonna get more of that. Um, the new series where you everybody sort of comes in blind and doesn't understand what we necessarily get, but it includes tropes that we're already familiar with and, and not scared by such as Jedi, such as uh, bounty hunters, um, you know, such as rebellion versus empire. Um, these sorts of themes that we already sort of can like, okay, I can wrap my arms around that. Um, I think we're going to get a lot more of that um in general like that's they're going to have to go that direction now the same argument can be applied against andor that we're applying to ahsoka here which is that andor's numbers sort of tailed off never were like huge to begin with and yet you know they believed in the series they thought it was strong enough they said we're gonna green light season two right away and yet, like, I don't, you know, like with Ahsoka, I almost wonder if the budget was higher because that's what we kept talking about watching yeah. the show. Like, the, it looked great. And you could tell that they invested a lot in this. And so, like, for me, for them to green light Andor and not green light Ahsoka, well, what's different? And I'm like, budget? Yeah. Maybe. The thing about Andor that I, I, cause I thought about that too. Um, Andor is admittedly slow in some places. And so I don't, I don't know. I, and I, this is just this, there is no data behind this, but my gut tells me is that people trailed off of Andor because they got bored before, rather than I don't understand what's going on. You know, because I think Andor is far easier to, I mean, I mean, Ahsoka, yes, we're, we got to go find this guy and there's this Grand Admiral and stuff like this, but it was just seemed like a lot of players that you had to keep track of. Whereas Andor, it was about, I mean, like I said, the only thing there I think is it just got, it was slow and dark the whole time. But anyway, Fredo. But you know what's interesting about Andor? The, the reaction to it was so strong by the people who liked it. Which is what's interesting is both the fan base that grew up around Clone Wars and Rebels adored Ahsoka. They were fanatical. They love it. You can still go online and see reaction videos, theory videos, the, them watching love it. So it's interesting because that tells you that they had the same reaction that in some ways the original trilogy fans didn't necessarily have with the prequels because if this was their Star Wars continuing. What I think what's inter what's interesting about Andor and what I always think about the example is we got the end of that character's story. But now we're getting the beginning. But I do agree with regarding the slow-paced nature of that. Because if you remember, particularly the first six episodes, it was episode one, there was a little bit of action. Uh one and two were very slow, and three is where the action was. And four and five slow things down, and six is where you got the heist. So you used to have that very much a slow build, slow build, and then big action moment. And it's not towards till towards the latter episodes where the pressure ratcheted up towards the finale. Uh, for my part, I do think that there is not necessarily a disconnect, but that there is a difference in how people 
want to enter into a story. But what I mean, Mandalorian, everybody was coming in cold. No, I mean, we, there was a moment where everybody thought that was going to be Boba Fett's show, and it wasn't. But everybody had no idea. We didn't know the the characters, but it used a lot of the tropes, a lot of the methodology, similar in nature to all the westerns. So even if you had no idea about the character, the motifs and the way it was shot and the way that it was framed was very much in a way which is, was digestible to people. Where I think Ahsoka had a bigger problem is Ahsoka is more high fantasy. Ahsoka is much more because it's it I've, from the jump you're talking Jedi, the Force. You're talking all these characters that are, you know, interconnected. You're talking about the story that's got, that you know it's got chapters from before. And sometimes people don't necessarily like to be in a story lost. They like to go, oh, this is easy and digestible and I can just jump in, you know, the water's fine. It's, a, it's at a nice level. It's at a nice depth. I'm not going to drown here. Whereas maybe Ahsoka felt like a show that was way deeper or way more involved than they wanted to get into. And that's a, that's got to be a challenge when you're you know making the next set sets of shows because on the one hand you do want to give people an entry point into the story into the saga, but on the other hand, if you're only making entry points, you're never delving deeper. You're just kind of repeating yourself in a circle. You fall into the hole that Marvel got itself into, where everybody was in love with Phase One and Phase Two, and now they're like, well, what do you do next? And they're upset that they're getting the same thing. You know, and this is I'm um, I'm obviously like. This is major hyperbole, but admittedly, like I said, so again, talking to a friend who is an ESL student um, or ESL teacher, and he said they have um, in his district, you know, there's so like the ratio of, you know, kids who don't speak English to the teachers who are their resource is the, the ratio is huge. You know, there's not enough of them to go around. And so, you know, so they're, and they're putting these kids who don't speak a word of English into, they're just right into the classes. And I think about how horrible that would feel as a student to, I, not only do they not understand me, but I don't understand them, you know, and just how hopeless you feel. So again, obviously huge hyperbole. But in the Star Wars, like I said, Ahsoka is one of those things where, you know, and, and, and again, my friend was saying, he said, I would like to show Ahsoka to somebody who has never seen Star Wars at all and see what they think. And I think that would be that would be the, the telltale sign. Um, but I, like I said, I just think that there was just and and by the way, I loved it being a Star Wars nerd, I loved it because of all these callbacks and all these connections and everything like that. But however, as we were talking about this in in our chat, I think I'm to the point because my fear is that we're going to start creating Star Wars content that does not look as good like Dave, what you talked about with Ahsoka. Ahsoka looked awesome, but we're, we want you to make more Star Wars that's going to be more accessible to people, but you're not going to have as much of an allowance um, I would, I think I'm, t- we've gotten so spoiled to having new star Wars every six months that I think I would rather wait three years for a movie. That's going to look awesome. I don't know. What right, do you guys rather think? Would than you- a, a series that uh, has that sort of cut, uh, baked into it that we, you can tell 
that it's just not the same quality. Yeah, I, um, that's the danger. So, so, like, this is my biggest takeaway when I see, when I interact with other Star Wars fans, and and they they tell me, oh, I haven't watched the new thing yet. Watch the new thing for the love of all that's holy. You know, like this is how you tell them that you want them to keep investing in this thing. Um, but you, to your point, Aaron, they may, the, the individuals who don't in, engage with it, they probably were just, Oh, I can handle a movie once every three years. Okay. I can do that. Uh, I can't really keep up with all these TV shows. Well, it's and like, I think like, that's it's like the Olympics. Everybody, everybody, everybody's a gymnastics fan every four years. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's like everybody's it's and I'm sorry, no, that I don't mean any disrespect to to gymnastics at all. But it's like everybody's like everybody loves soccer. Oh, yeah, it's like that with everything. Everybody yeah. loves soccer, Fredo, when it's the World Cup. You know, they're not going to go to Finns every Sunday and watch Arsenal. I mean, like I said, I, I, I know, but it, but you know what I mean? It's like, there's a lot of bandwagoners mm-hmm. that happen. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm not, so I agree with you, Dave, that I think it's like when it's a big movie event, it's like, Hey, the new star Wars movie is coming out next year. And then it's like, there we go. I, you know, my one and done, but when it becomes over and over and over again, do we get the last Jedi Han solo problem? I'm afraid of no disrespect to soccer either. <laughs> I'm just making everybody mad tonight. tonight. I mean, like, so, like, Ahsoka, like, circling back to this is what the conversation is really about this show, right? Um, In relation to the future, where we're headed, like, what are the odds of things happening, et cetera? Ahsoka's got two big things working against it. And, like, Fredo touched on one of them, which was, like, this is a fantasy show. Andor is sci fi. This is fantasy. Neither of those things fly with large audiences typically. The reason Star Wars was such a crossover hit is, again, like what he was talking about, space western. It was an entirely new genre that people hadn't seen before. You want to talk, we should have a show just dedicated to just like how Star Wars is western because it freaking is, right? Um, But, you know, Andor, Ahsoka, they, they delve into these, you know, areas that are a little more niche. The other problem with Ahsoka um, is it's very tied in. It's the shared universe thing. It's like, okay, if you saw Mandalorian and if you saw Boba Fett and if you saw Rebels and if you saw Clone Wars, we're going to give you this show and it'll tie in with the next thing and you're going to get the crossover movie. I, and like people get burned out i will let let me let me say we just started watching loki last night and i paused it right away and i said i hope we didn't have to have seen quantum mania before this it was a worry and brit's like oh yeah and i say i don't think so so it is like it because i'm behind on some of my marvel stuff so it is it's like if you if you haven't turned in your homework and your grade is uh, when you get to the end of the term and it's like, I just, I'm so far behind and it's, you know, I might as well just give up. Sorry, Dave. I stepped on you there. No, that's fine. I, I, 
there's a lot for Fredo to touch on because I think it's his turn to speak at this point. But it's just like there's a lot going on here which we can point to and, 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 and say this is why this isn't like a galactic global hit at this stage of the game and also acknowledge, well, gosh, we wish that would have been the case because we really like this show and we want to see more of it. Yeah, I think what's interesting, and this is one of the things that always keeps back in the back of my head. Look, first of all, Disney, the Walt Disney Corporation, needs product selling you Disney Plus. Disney Plus just went up in price this month. So the only way they can justify that is if they're giving you new content. Well, God bless them. And they, you're, not, you're not signing up to watch Bambi again. And they might know, lose. They might a lose a lot of people because of that. So keep on going. Exactly. Yeah, but that's but that's the point. It's like if you're going up in price, like everybody else going up in price, because now you're signing these new agreements and you have to keep your profit margins high, you have to invest in product. You have to invest in, in productions, in properties, in your shows. And Marvel, like Star Wars, is a big driver for them. Star Wars is a big driver because that's where Star Wars has resided since Disney Plus started and uh, Rise of Skywalker came and went. So this has been where Star Wars home for the last five, four or five years, whatever, since, since Disney Plus started. The reality is you cannot just make shows for the neophytes. You can't just say, we're going to have a new show that's about whole new characters that you never met. And, you know, they're doing that. They are doing that. The next two shows, Skeleton Crew and The Acolyte, one is to the Mando period of the galaxy. One is a hundred years before the Phantom Menace. One is much more like Goonies in Space is the description of Skeleton Crew. The Acolyte's supposed to be about the bad guys. It's about it's, a, it's supposed to be dark, but focused heavily on the Force and the Jedi. So it's going to be interesting how people respond to two shows, completely different uh, moods and motifs and concepts, but where you don't have to have done the summer reading like you did for Ahsoka. Because the reality is, Disney does need to get, look, if all you're doing is trying to play, trying to get the new person to sign up, okay, but it's those hardcore Star Wars nerds, they're, gonna, they're not going to cancel their Disney Plus subscription because they're like, ooh, I'm going to get my Ahsoka season two in three, four months. I don't want to miss out on that. So it's an interesting uh, juxtaposition because on the one hand, you do have Bob Iger saying I want more movies, and I understand that movies get me a bigger bang for my buck. But on the other hand, you have created this thing where you can't just simply say, I'm just going to put everything all there and good luck. Because you're not going to get your, your uh, revenue driver there. You know, Dave, you you said, um, so, you know, so to, to, Fre- to Fredo's point, you know, about the summer reading, it's like on one hand, it's like, you know, just go watch the Mortis arc. It'll be an hour out of your day and, you know, just do it so you can catch up with the rest of us. But on the other hand, it's like when we're talking about people with podcasts, it's like, how do you listen to so many podcasts? By the way, thank you for listening to this one. Um, but how do you listen to so many podcasts? It's like you only have you only have so much of your day that you can sliver out for your entertainment. And if it's like, okay, I really want to watch this, but that means I have to watch some Clone Wars and I have to watch some, you know, Rebels. And I mean, Disney Plus is doing the good job. Before Ahsoka, they curated some things like here's some essential Ahsoka episodes for you to watch and so you could have done that so they're trying to make it easy for you but it still comes down to time and it's like 
all and Fredo, you talked about the books, you know, that they're, they're putting out, you know, it's, there's only, you know, again, it's like, there's only so much and you have to start to pick and choose. It's like, you're at a buffet. They, they don't expect you to eat everything at the buffet, you know? So anyway. But, you know, uh, let me just say right quick before Dave comes back in. What I will say is, and I always give the example of Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is based on a very high fantasy-minded book series, which, unless you were the nerdiest of nerds, hello, you had not read before episode one dropped. And that also was a concern at HBO. But what was interesting is, as that season progressed and then went to season two and then went to season three, they started gaining an audience People who had never read high fantasy books, people who were not interested in sword and sorcery stuff, people who never played the indie, you know, it became the stuff that moms and pops would sit around at eight o'clock on HBO. It was, it was appointment viewing. So the reality is if you have something that connects with people, people will take time out of their busy day to do the summer reading, to con- to go back. Because it was always interesting at the end of every season, people will go and pick up the book, that book for that season was based out on, or they try to get ahead, find out what's next. So don't be surprised if it connects with, with an audience and that audience finds more people and brings them in. It, you know, you can have it where it's not just appealing to the nerdies for nerd, but the reality is that you do have to, it has to be something kind of, you know, that connects in that way and not everything does. Everybody wants to be that. Everybody wants to be whether it was Friends or Seinfeld or ER or Game of Thrones or, you know, you name any show, any property that's got a rabid fan base. And the way you grow it is it becomes appointment viewing. And so far, the difficulty here, and this is where we get to the issue with the streaming model. The streaming model has kind of splintered audiences. Unless you have Disney Plus, you will not watch Ahsoka. Okay, well... Now that you can't share passwords and they're uh, they're hunting you through your VP, whatever. Okay, so how many people, how many families are going to make that investment? Maybe some, maybe not all. Whereas if stuff's on your TV network, everybody's watching it. So I think that's another one of the challenges that Ahsoka or Star Wars in general is going to have in Disney Plus. I, I think like that's a it's a fairly salient point too which is that like not everybody's going to be able to subscribe to everything going forward and so disney's going to have to tailor the some of this programming towards their existing audience who they already have on the hook and who do they already have on the hook they have families um, with little kids they have um marvel fans i guess um currently star wars fans though again like we're constantly grumbling about what we're getting uh collectively so um you know is there anything that would in in any of that that might inform where they go going forward and and maybe well and how much of it is and how much of it is you know bob Iger like all right let's see how serious people are about disney plus let's jack up the price and if if we lose subscribers, if we, you know, then, you know, because I think, I think he needs to be, I think he's waiting to be proved, waiting for it to be proved to him that Disney plus is worth it. Keep going, Dave. Sorry. Yeah. I, you know, regardless of his motivations um, in doing that, I, most streamers are doing that right now. Um, most entertainment vehicles are doing the larger ones are doing that right now. 
they're all doing the same thing. Um, they're consolidating their cal uh, their catalogs. They're shrinking their catalogs and they're charging more for what they're giving you. And everybody, consumer in that situation, feels a little ripped off. It feels a little less devoted, a little less connected. Like, hey, you're ripping me off. Yeah, I'm going to shop around. You know, it's like when uh, you got satellite TV after cable t television. Like, cable TV is way too expensive. I'm going to get satellite TV. They only charge me this much. A couple years later, oh, they're charging me way more again. And I called them up and I asked, what's the deal? And they, that's, that, that didn't resolve the problem. I guess I'll move to streaming now. So now we're all on streaming. And it's like, now they're going to nickel and dime you on streaming. And look, I um, I understand that the, that the artists deserve to be paid. And I think like most people coming into this feel feel pretty strongly that the writers, the artists, the people at the ground level making this stuff, the effects people, um, I think all of those people deserve to be paid for their work. Um, I also think these corporations are very large and they don't always make decisions that benefit the little guy. And so I don't feel too bad for them where it affects us when we're watching this stuff is like, well, they make decisions that will affect like what you actually have the ability to watch eventually. It's like, okay, we're not going to make Ahsoka season two. Sorry, everybody, because it didn't make enough. It didn't have enough viewership. Our subscriptions went down afterwards. They're probably going to go down regardless had probably have nothing to do with Ahsoka. We talked about the rate increase. S subscriptions are going to go down. That would be a really convenient thing to point to when they say, "When they say, well, we, we couldn't renew that show. We just couldn't. All the su subscriptions went down after that show aired. You know, um, this thing happens all the time. And so, like, I don't mean to take a, completely pessimistic or alarmist approach with this um but it 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 doesn't look good from where i'm sitting um and you know miracle of miracles it may happen and again i i've been like hitting the pulpit on this which is like get ready for it to not look the way that it looked in season one if you get yeah. it at all if you get season two that they're going to cut around the edges. So, so let's, uh, Fredo quick on your last point, and then we'll put a bow on. Yeah. This. Yeah. No, and I was just going to, to Dave's point and remember HP, you know, Disney, uh, you, you want the best example of pivoting when news gets bad, look at Warner brothers with their DC extended universe. They get one bad weekend out of Batman and Superman. And all of a sudden they threw everything out and now they're rebooting that sucker again because it didn't make enough because ultimately and I, you know this is where the pessimism does hit me that Dave points out is this has to be a money-making venture for them if there is an artistic element to it there is a uh, art and story and fan element to it the reality is at the end of the day the money people put money in in order to get money out so if they're not getting enough money they're going to want to assign the blame somewhere and invariably it's never their fault 
They're the ones who drew up the master plan. They're the ones who said, oh yeah, Dave Filoni, let me give you season one of Ahsoka. We're going to give you a movie and, you know, give you all these shows and plot out your plot, you know, your plans. And then when one thing doesn't work, everything, you know, the, so, you know, you flip the table over and you start over again. Whatever was done doesn't matter. So at the same time, though, the one thing that gives me hope is that there is that Dave Filoni movie staring at us in 2026. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can't, you got, you got to make all this connect at some point. It's a lot like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. You may not want to do the summer reading, but at some point, if you did it, all of it, all of it has to reconnect at some point. Otherwise, it, you, you know, you, your audience is going to turn against you. So, so let's, we uh... did eventually get Justice League, even after all of the mishaps from the DC universe. It was like, the, they're like, fine, we're, we're making Justice League, even with the director leaving halfway through. It's happening. It's happening. Mm -hmm. So let's, so, uh, yeah. So, so let's go back to my original question, which is how accessible do you want Star Wars to be? Um, and I will start by answering it by saying, I want it to be accessible like the original trilogy was. We all walked into that, you know, and I mean, it, so the original trilogy is it like I said it, it was like I said it was the original. So you walked in that we all walked in the same front door at the same time. Prequel trilogy, same type of thing. You did not need to see the original trilogy to enjoy the prequel trilogy, as many a little kid proved to us. They didn't need to know who Luke Skywalker was. They didn't need to know who Han Solo was. They didn't need to know anything, you know. They just followed the story along. Sequel trilogy, same type of thing. It was new characters. You know, there was, yeah, they kind of smattered, you know, some of the OG people in there. That was fine. But um, my worry is that, like I said, I, I, my worry is that it's going to start getting a little bit too much of an exclusive club. And I don't want it to be an exclusive club. You know, I do want people to feel like, you know, it looks like Star Wars. It feels like Star Wars. This is cool Star Wars. And so that it can be a larger community. Um, so, yeah. But I like I said, so I guess I would rather have a big movie event every three, four years and get less Star Wars so that it's good Star Wars that everybody can enjoy and that it's an, a, a worldwide event. I'll take what you started even further with uh, Rogue One and Solo. Um, th those two movies were very dependent on what had previously come before. And um, they varied wildly in terms of their box office success. Um, and so, like, to me, that showed the first sort of cracks in the foundation, maybe, Um of, of how we've gotten to this point where all of the Star Wars fans have an angst at this point. We're, we haven't gotten a new movie in years. Uh, the, the shows, we, we can't decide, you know, what's good and what isn't and what, what, what will get the next season and what won't. Um, and there seems to be a lot of disagreement and uh, consternation uh, right now with, with Star Wars. And, uh, and I, I get it, but like, I don't know, you know, it's it's all supposed to be fun at the end of the day, right? We're all supposed to just sort of enjoy ourselves. It's called entertainment. And um, 
I I really enjoyed Ahsoka. That's that was my primary takeaway from the series. It's just that I freaking liked it. Um, I I would hope that we'll get another season, and I would hope that it will have a an adequate budget to approximate what we got in season one. Uh, I hope that we get the uh, crossover movie eventually, um, which isn't something I would have said prior to Ahsoka. I didn't really care. Like, Ooh, crossover. It sounds like you're copying off of Marvel again. I don't, um, now I do. Um, I kind of want to see Din and Ahsoka on the big screen together. I, I'm sorry. Now I'm, I like geeking out over the very concept now. Um, so like it's working for some people, what they're doing. I guess the question is, what's the strategy need to look like going forward for it to work for the maximum number of people? And like you said, like, do you think, does it need to be more accessible? Maybe. Um, but I think they can, I do think they can get there. Like Mandalorian's number one clear example, right? Like space Western, with characters no one ever ever seen before. We're giving you this right away and we're going to see what you think about it. We'll give you a twist at the, at the end of uh, episode one and people went to ape for it and they loved it. And I think there's a lot of opportunity within star, star Wars for creative storytelling that, that they can, they can achieve those sorts of successes again. So I'm not going to rule any of that out. I'm still hopeful. Um, but yeah, I think there should be some navel gazing maybe at this stage of things. They should they should be thinking about things and what they want to do going forward. Uh, in terms of how accessible I want Star Wars to be, I think the question really depends on the definition of it. Because if the definition is, oh, it's something that anybody can come in, I think Star Wars is trying to do Thread that fine line between new property anybody can jump in and his legacy show that is for the fans and the people have been sticking through it through the last 20, 30, 40 years. I will only push back on Aaron and Justin this. The, the idea of a movie every three years is great if you're getting Rogue One, Last Jedi, Force Awakens. If you're getting plenty of Rise of Skywalkers, that, that, that strategy goes out the window because you will get loose audiences. Oh, 100 percent. I think my argument um, is, yeah, I, I want quality over quantity. Well, but, yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, so I, I totally, I'm totally with you on that one. Keep going though. But, but also, but also, the reality is, going to a movie theater is expensive. I don't know if you guys, you know, what's the last movie you guys went to? I took my nephew to go see the uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and that was a fifty dollar ticket that I had to take my. Uh, 13 year old too with popcorn and everything so can't imagine Dave trying to bring the whole family to go see the new Star Wars movie versus chilling out and uh, gets to be about the same it gets Disney to be plus. about the same amount as Disney plus for a year yeah okay. uh, uh, well it might be exactly but this is one movie whereas with Disney plus you get it every day and you get all the other stuff so again there's balances here that need to be struck but in answer to the question I want to I want Star Wars to be something that everybody can find thing they like and that they latch onto. And that's why 
I do like the strategy they're having with the shows. Mandalorian, space western. Andor, political thriller. Ahsoka, high adventure fantasy. They're different themes. They're different uh, mindsets. They're different elements. But they're all still in the same shared universe. And that's what makes it so cool, is that you can have a show like The Mandalorian existing next door to Ahsoka or Andor and Ahsoka. What I think the difficulty here is whenever you find a show that's leaning along strongly into one of those tropes, because the great thing about Star Wars, particularly the original trilogy, was that it melded all these elements. It was a space western that had high fantasy elements, that political uh, thriller elements that had, you know, Shakespearean tragedy in them, you know, all that had sci-fi in them. So it, it blended all that stuff together. Whereas I think the Disney Plus shows, what they've done is they've taken one piece of it and they focus primarily on that. And while that's not necessarily a bad thing, I think they need to start thinking more holistic. What is it that makes Star Wars Star Wars? Is when you bring, you know, sci-fi from the future, classic, you know, fantasy tropes, Western tropes, and samurai movies, and you mash it all together, that's Star Wars. And I think when you have that, that's accessible. Because you'll find something that, that, that grabs your attention. It'll be interesting to see what the Acolytes numbers are, what Skeleton mm-hmm. Crew's numbers are. It'll be interesting to see that. Um, mm-hmm. So... All of you let us know. There's a lot more that we could talk about, but Days of Alarm went off a long time ago. It was a good discussion, though. I mean, it is mm-hmm. it is one of those things. And and Dave, you mentioned something. It's like I think you hit on something that is very key, is that Star Wars fans cannot be pleased as a whole. Um, <laughs> but I will I will end with this, that I think it, it can be done. It's like what J.J. Abrams did with Star Trek, you know, where it's, you know, it was... I went in, I've said it before on this podcast, I went in not really watching any Star Trek ever. I knew a little bit. I knew the character names. And I got to watch that movie. And then my sister-in-law, who was a big Star Trek nerd, there were enough like things dropped in that it was like in conversation. They mentioned a thing that happened in an episode of this season. It didn't have any consequence on me, but it made her thrilled. You know, so... Um, so it can be done. Um, yeah. So, um, but just remember there was a lot of classic Trek fans who hated oh, the JJ. Yeah. So <laughs> you will never please everybody. No, make your peace with your damn fluffy Lord. But again, okay. Since you said that my fear is that it's going to get to the point where it's like, we have, we're going to write a movie or a show that is going to make me not even want to, as a non-Star Wars fan, yeah. not even approach the door, much less walk through it. And because you've got all these people, it, it's kind of like when everybody is like, you know, talking about Abeloth in Ahsoka. I'm, I'm the one that had to Google. It's like, who the F is Abeloth? You know, I didn't know that. I'm a big star. I've got Star Wars crap all over the place here. I don't know who that character is. Because that was something I didn't, you know, ingest at some point. So, but my, my point is, is that, you know, that's, that's the, that's the real fear, right? Is that it's going to be this, because we get so nerded out over things, you know, I don't know. Sorry. Mm -hmm. We can, we can keep going all night on this. We can go all night. Um, 
I will rare, very, very, very briefly just say that I think Dave like, gets the last word. Okay, great. Woo. Um, That's what she said. I don't want the shows to be homogenized. Period. Agreed. I want the shows to keep coming out. I want them to be different from one another and different from other things that we've already seen. And I want them to have a reasonable budget attached so we don't look, look, look at it. And like you said, ships on strings. Uh, I don't want that. Um, anything beyond that is gravy to me and the way to achieve those things that, that, that the hardcore fans like, like us want is all these different cool shows is to keep drawing in big numbers occasionally, at least occasionally some of these series have to be hits. Um, and I think Mandalorian's a hit and I think everything else is kind of so, so, uh, and I think they're getting to the point where they maybe need to hit another hit. And that's where we're at. Yeah, Dave, I like what you said there. It's uh, it was like Pearl Jam. In Pearl Jam 20, you know, Stone Gossard was talking about how Eddie Vedder writes these set lists and he watches the crowd just kind of start getting bored. And he's like, just play a hit. Can we just play a hit? <laughs> so, yeah, I agree with you. Um, uh, so, all right, let us know. Um, let us know what you think about uh, our conversation tonight. Um, but until we hear from you, we will say who dat. Who dat? Everybody have a great week. My